Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio. Tune in and Player FM. And also you can find us on Apple Podcasts. So check us out, share it, and listen to it. Over 200 episodes of the podcast already in the books. So check it out on Apple Podcasts as well as on Player.fm and also on the TuneIn app. So uh, let's go come into episode 252 today in the Gridiron Blitz. Exciting news this week, kind of a bombshell. We got Adidas, similar to Cal and Kaepernick's explosion, but now in a focus for the women's football, um, you know, focus. And apparently the WNFC is in this hookup here. You had two WFA teams that were showcased in the commercial. You can check it out at the hub at facebook.com for slash gridiron beauties. And so it was very impactful. A lot of question marks in terms of some of the group boards as to, you know, why the WFA teams were not, uh, you know, sponsored at this point or why the w- and why the WNFC is getting kind of a leg up on that. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things going on in the background that we're not aware of, but it, it's a good move for women's football, number one. Number two, we have a lot of international news this week. We got a lot of championships happening. Uh, Sapphire Series in UK kicking off week two. We got the ADMFA in Costa Rica National Championship that's going to take place. We got the Italian uh, CIFF playoffs in full mix for the Rose Bowl coming up this weekend. Uh, the the uh, excitement that's going to be Opal Bowl coming up also this weekend in Gridiron, New South Wales. So a lot of action happening internationally as well. And the huge tournament in Mexico, the Under-18 National Open Tournament completed this week. Congratulations to everybody involved with it. A very successful tournament. Shout out to Jera Alvarado Deportes for the awesome coverage and networking with us on the inaugural U uh, Under 18 Girls Open National Tournament that happened in Mexico. Congratulations to the uh, Chiapas Selection Group. They win 33-32 against La Fay. Uh, highlights and live stream via Experiencia Radio. So all at the hub at Facebook.com this week. So let's bring in the Hall of Famer and WFA All-Star, and now WNFC, Seattle Majestics, Holly Custis in the house. We will not have Troy Wilson today, Louise Bean. Later in the hour, we'll have Salty coming back in, Mackenzie Brooks. But for now, we're going to ride with that. And today, big show, 252, three more Hall of Famers of the edition here. And we're going to have Jeanette Gray, big, big, all-time, uh, second all-time receiver in the WFA and receiving uh, multiple MVP star, as well as a five-time WFA All-American. Uh, on top of that, Team USA 2013 and 2017 team member. Uh, and then we will have later, in about 40 minutes, uh, Katrina uh, Walter, also in the house, former S- uh, San Diego Surge national champion. And then in about an hour and so, Lanny Ford, a pioneer of the sport, with the KC Tribes, Dallas Diamonds, as well as the KC Titans. So big, big uh, show for two hours, and we're going to be getting it going here. So Holly, bombshell here, Adidas, and then all of a sudden we expect, uh, 
I don't know. We expected something different, but here it is. WFA Mile High Blaze, Cali War Showcase. And then all of a sudden we get the news that the WNFC is going to get uh, hooked up with Adidas, which is big news for the women's game. <clears throat> well, basically the last couple of days here, I think, are a win, win, win for the sport um, as a whole. Um, I mean, the, the commercial, I, I watched it on Sunday Night Football. It was really awesome. And, you know, I, I know a lot of the people that uh, were featured, and that's really cool to see them, you know, on the screen like that. And I think, you know, number one, it's great that the commercial was made. Um, and number two, uh, the uh, – the after effect of the, the sponsorship of the WNFC, I think is also really, really huge. And I think, you know, in my opinion, it's, it's only up from here. I, I think the fact that uh, Adidas is sponsoring any league that we have in the sport is, is a validation of all the hard work that we've um, all put into the sport that we love. And, um, and I'm looking forward to see what happens, you know, what the WFA's response is and if they're able to pull in some uh, other sponsors and to see what else the WNFC is working on. It's a really exciting time to be in the, in the sport. So this is awesome. If you haven't catched it, um, it's on our uh, Facebook page on our hub at facebook.com. There's a lot of players obviously that shared it on their posts on um, pretty much everybody shared it. It was huge. Uh, it's the uh, hashtag she breaks barriers campaign by adidas um it was literally of two po- two focal points there holly one is a wnfc sponsorship which is huge for 2019 it speaks volumes because you have not played one down you know what i mean so that's a lot of confidence for a brand i think i think it's um to the people that you have in the leadership positions uh, of that league i mean that's not easy to do I remember when I first started playing, and I'm from Oregon, and Nike and Adidas is in my backyard. And for years, we we tried and tried and tried to knock down, you know, the, the doors. And these people come in in two seconds, it seems like, and work really hard and and get it done. That speaks to the tenacity of of this group. Um, and I also think, you know, you uh, we also need to give the WFA credit because in order to get in that commercial, that takes a lot of work too. And I think the combination of both groups working hard um, and a competition, I think it's actually going to be um, beneficial to our sport. Um, and it's exciting. Um, you you guys have made breaking news. Like literally, uh, you know, McCarran's like keeping me in the in the dark basically at this point, which I, I don't know why. He should have just said, what he, you know, sent out the names or whatever. But anyway, he's keeping me in the dark. But your team, primarily international pool, you know what I mean? Cody Fuller, um, and you got all the, the, the two players from Great Iron Queensland, right? Uh, Chrissy Torres. And then you add uh, a big-time baller in Gabby Knopps. So it's like the Seattle Majestics <laughs> are really, really want to stand out in 2019 for the inaugural season. You know, it's one of the things that um, I think before I moved up here, they had an international player. I can't remember if she was from Sweden or where, maybe Finland. Um, and in my first uh, couple of years, we had um, my teammate Emmy from Japan, and then we had uh, you know, Danny from Australia. And 
once we kind of figured out the logistics part, because that's pretty tricky, um, you know, I think it's going to be kind of the wave of the future, at least in our neighborhood. Uh, it only makes the sport better, and it's really fun. It's really fun to have people from different countries come, you know, um, play uh, with, the, with, with my team and get to learn, um, you know, a bit about them and how they play in, in their home countries. And they get a really good experience of playing in America and taking the uh, information back to their country. I think it's awesome. I mean, uh, the, the sport of women's football is international, and they hope that we see more of it. Well, you have the the blend of player. We talked about the future going forward, but it, it seems like it's now. You know, it's like this is impact now. And I, I have no doubt. We talked about it before. We set it in motion. We put a lot of trust in two names. And at this point, I can tell you right now, based on how things have gone, there's no doubt in my mind that we're using Welterpool. Welterpool first and Odessa Jenkins' you know, uh, business savviness with uh, uh, Brian Sewell. So we're looking at three people that have impacted probably a lot. And this is where, when we talked to uh, Odessa in the past, this is where she wanted to be. So now she gets, or I, I want to say the WNFC gets what they really wanted. It is pressure mode now because this is no different than Dunkin' Donuts acknowledging the National Women's Hockey League, and now you got to come through. You know what I mean? So really a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, one of the things I think is, is great about the WNFC group um, is that when you look at the people that they have in those positions, most of them have played uh, a long time, so they they know what the all the, what the obstacles are. They know what the struggles are. They know where we want to go, and I think they have the the right experience in that vein. But they also have the right connections and the right work ethic to get us where we want to go. And I think it's only actually going to make WFA better too, because it's putting pressure on them as well. And I think the pressure for both leagues and the other leagues as well is only going to trickle down. I think competition is good because for the first time, this is, we've never had this kind of sponsorship before. And if, if we're able to take care of the ball and run it over the, the end line, over the end zone line, then I think it can really turn this sport in the future and, and I'm, I'm I'm ecstatic. I never thought in a million years we'd get to this point. So I think it's awesome. <laughs> I've been talking about this for four years. Remember, I said, hey, we got to get mm-hmm. business-minded. There's no way we get to another level. Nobody's going to take us seriously unless you get business-minded. WNFC seems to be business-minded. And I think that right. is the value that Adidas sees. Not just it. I think you capture the market that I had – I think I – was talking to a couple of folks this afternoon. The market is there. You have right. Adidas has competition because it owns soccer. There's no other right. realm around it. They own soccer. They are the soccer brand. You know, you can put Nike out there and everything else, but they are the soccer brand. They have huge reach, and we're talking Europe, international, everything. They have logistics, in other words. So to own women's tackle football as another sport almost equates to football which is an international message so it's huge because it is focusing on women's sports 
And one brand out of three large brands, UA and Nike, has now decided that they're going to they're gonna take this vision and really go with it. So the WNFC, like I said, really in six months from now, four and a half months from now, whatever, when the launch is happening, a lot of pressure on logistics, everything to go right. It, it's just, it's going to be that type of pressure mode. Yeah, I I think the other interesting part about it is if you look at Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, <clears throat> you know, this is a huge untapped market if you're coming from the vantage point of those companies uh, of female athletes. I mean, I think it, it's gotten better, you know, since when I was a kid for sure, but there's still a lot out there. It's kind of the new frontier, honestly. And so it's really smart for Adidas to, to kind of go this direction and uh, put feelers out there and, and try different new programs and sponsor different groups because I think it's going to pay off for them in the long run too. Um, so, yeah, you're right, though. Um, at the end of the day, it comes down to do we produce or do we not produce? And if we're able to produce, I think the benefits are going to be exponential. And you have, uh, I think the the real deal here is you have Texas Elite. Uh, Luis talked about it. You talked about it. At the Hall of Fame game, this was a basically grind game to the end, 7-0. There's a win. If the WNFC can produce close margin games with exciting endings, to say, every weekend, week out, guess what's going to happen? You, you're probably going to get a four- to six-year commitment. And from that, from that commitment, hopefully at this point, you see a regional broadcaster that really loves that and somebody that takes it on, especially with the name brand, the big name brand, a hook to it. There's no way that they're not going to come up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I know um, I, I really think that uh, the game in Vegas, I mean, like we talked about before, it was not, it didn't feel like an all-star game. Like I, I've played in several of them and this felt like a playoff game. And if every game that we play can feel like that, then that's going to be awesome uh, because it was it was a dogfight, and kind of environment brings the best out of everybody, I think. So I hope that we can produce like that. All right, bombshell news there. The other bombshell news comes from the IFAB group, Women's Championship in Finland, 2021. 2021 has been moved to Women's Championship in Finland. Finland will host the 2021 tournament. So in about two years, Holly, if Adidas – this WNFC works out, you could have a full-blown Adidas IFAB Women's Championship sponsor. I really see that. And so that costs, that, that covers travel, awesome. lodging, that covers travel, lodging, and all the other perks that come with an, a big-name brand, and maybe even uh, outfits. So at this point, it's in process, but, you know, we can't get a, ahead of ourselves, of course, but that could be the, you know, the end result there, which is, a, that would be huge. Uh, just on that, on the uh, international scope. I, yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. I mean, it, you're right. We can't get ahead of ourselves, even though it's really exciting and you, you kind of want to as as a fan and a player and, and coaches and stuff out there, you want to get excited. And I think that it's okay to get excited, but I think um, if even if it's, uh, if it's Adidas or a different sponsor or something that can come in and alleviate some of that, I know 
that uh, cost has been a big factor for a lot of players at these events. And so if anything is able to alleviate that pressure for players and they can just focus on playing and not have to worry about, oh, my gosh, I have to meet the next deadline so I can go, I, I think I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, I think it, it's going to be a great uh, – so a lot of excitement happening, leadership in the WNFC, uh, there's a, a lot of stuff happening behind the uh, backgrounds in the WFA as well. And to your point, Holly, competition, right? This is what we wanted. Who's going to step up? Mm-hmm. The only thing that's go- the only benefit we get out of this is what visibility and sponsorship. A lot more visibility, a lot more sponsorship opportunity. So they got to move the needle, and who's going to be moving the needle more than the other? But ultimately, like you said, it's a win-win for the sport. So let's bring in into the huddle. We got three huddles today. We have Jeanette Gray coming in, and then we have Katrina Walter and Lanny Ford later in the hour here. So let's bring in the uh, five-time WFA All-Star as well as multi-time world champion Jeanette Gray in the house. Jeanette, how you doing? How are you? Good. How are you? Doing fantastic. You got uh, got myself and Holly uh, hanging out here, and we have just talked in about this Adidas bombshell, and you probably already heard it. But what a, what a huge news. Yeah, I mean, and that's – I think you guys have been talking about it. I mean, that's been one of the biggest obstacles in, in our sport has been, you know, how are we going to alleviate costs for players and teams and um, to have somebody step up and, and make a commitment's huge. Uh, Jeanette, you've been through this uh, for a long time. You're probably much out of it now. Uh, but for the most part, you you can mm-hmm. see now that – there's inroads being made. I mean, you're part of two national championship sure. teams, international field. You're part of, the, you know, you're part of the force for a very long time. And unfortunately, you know, we don't have the force anymore, which would be probably one of the teams that maybe would have gone into the WNFC, uh, given Chicago's right. market and everything else. But it didn't happen. But anyways, what is your view right now of the WNFC? What, what do you, as a Hall of Famer, what are you going to, what would you want to tell the audience right now? It's just, it's like, it's making the WFA better. And it's also, here's the WFC coming in with this huge business mindset. And now they, they, they get hooked up with Adidas. It's like, it's huge move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has to be, you know, like you said, the, the business mindset behind this and we need to have a solid business model um, for, for our leagues in order for them to, you know, make money and be sustainable and to last for a long time and ultimately make, the game's more competitive because that's what's going to draw an audience, right, is our competitive games. Um, you know, I think to the NFL games I watched yesterday and, and how competitive some of them were and how they've been competitive over the course of the year, and that's what gets you excited. Nobody wants to sit and watch a 60-point blowout. I mean, that's not fun. And so hopefully this will make the teams better. Um, we'll see more competition, um, and it'll just make the world of women's football, you know, more enjoyable for the average everyday fan. Are you excited that at some point we get a regional TV deal? That's literally where I'm like, I'm itching at that. The, the news that breaks sure. out that we might get a regional, even on a regional sense, you know, like a CBS sports or mm-hmm. something regional, mm-hmm. that would be another huge, you know, obstacle that we would have been accomplished. And I have no doubt with this leadership that's in place right now, uh, given former team USA members, you got Brownson in the mix, you got Mitchell, you got pretty much Fuller in the mix. I mean, there's a lot of people, right. Colette Smith, uh, Jen Welter. I mean, there is a lot mm-hmm. of people in this WNFC with a lot of NFL connections and business-minded right. background folks 
working together and to launch mm-hmm. and to put this together. Uh, we, we just talked about it right now before you came on. This is a huge stress thing for the WNFC because a lot of things have to go right. Right. I mean, you know, going back, you know, you talking about possible regional TV deal. I mean, right. The more eyes that we can get on the game, the better. And the more people that uh, are exposed to what's going on, the better. And uh, I think that'd be a huge next step. And, you know, talking about the leadership that's there, you've got some solid people that have been with this sport from the very beginning that, um, aren't in it for money, aren't in it for celebrity. They're in it because they love the game, and, they, and they, they're doing it for the right, the right reasons. Jeanette, let's talk about you. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to the uh, Vegas event, but um, your resume speaks for itself. You know, number two all-time in the WFA, probably the, one of the favorite Chicago four stars right next to probably Grisafi. Um, and so, you're, you know, your resume just speaks for itself. I mean, I've been honored to talk to you several times and every time it's an honor to talk to you because one of the greats. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, the event in Vegas was, was very nice. Um, my parents and I flew out there and uh, it was really great to be around uh, some of the best players that have ever played the sport and really part of a group of people that are trying to do something really good um, for women's football. And that was awesome. Um, and, you know, I talking about the force and, you know, you mentioned Sammy, I was just so fortunate to play for just a really um, very organized and solid organization that um, did things the right way and, uh, you know, catch passes from a quarterback who, you know, is probably, I, I think is the best in the game. Uh, I was very, very lucky. And to play for a coach who liked to pass the ball, that's always fun as a receiver. So, um, I think I was in a, you know, the right situation at the right time. And um, uh, I, I miss my teammates. I, I miss playing. and uh, But I do wish everyone the best. I was there in Vegas, but it's still playing. Uh, Jeanette, can you give everybody an update of where you're at now? Obviously, you're away from the sport. But sure. ultimately, where where are you at now? Sure. I, well, I'm, I'm a high school teacher, and I teach and coach. I actually coach football for our our varsity team, uh, I'm our receivers coach at the high school that I coach and teach at, at, at in Northwest Indiana. Um, and I also coach uh, basketball and track. So um, pretty busy year round. But, you know, my, my playing days led me to being asked to coach football. Um, they approached me. Um, I give a lot of credit to our head coach at the time for doing that because that was, you know, something uh, new. <laughs> I don't know if you'd ever asked a woman to be on a coaching staff before. So, I'm very grateful that he gave me the opportunity, and I'll be starting my fourth year doing that. Well, congratulations to you. Um, you're a very, uh, very good asset, and uh, I know you'll do well, and those, anybody under you is going to do fantastic things with your coaching. Um, let's bring in the Hall of Famer here as well, Holly Custis, kind of pick your brain. So, Holly? Hey, how's it going? <clears throat> Can you hear me? Yeah, I think Hello? she's still there. Jeanette, you still there? Hey, yeah, I, I got you. I heard you. Uh, Sorry. Oh, okay. It's okay. I thought um, my phone got disconnected for some reason. Um, how's it going? Good. 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 Awesome. Um, can you talk a little bit about the event itself in Vegas and and what mm-hmm. the whole event meant? Um, I, you know, I thought uh, it was it was at a great place. Um, the venue was was nice, very well organized. 
um, I thought the opportunity for each of the inductees to get a chance to say a little bit and say some thank yous was, was really, really nice. And, uh, um, you know, just to be around that collection of people and, um, was awesome. Um, and it's always nice to be about, around a group of women that are like-minded. And, you know, um, a lot of those women are going to be part of moving this sport forward. So it was very, very well done. And I was very happy to be a part of it. That's awesome. I, I thought so too. I thought it was really well done. Um, and I know you've, you've been a long time and, uh, uh and in, in my opinion, you're one of the best receivers I ever saw. Uh, you oh, had you. the ability to, even if you weren't catching the ball, you were going to stretch the defense out because you were a threat. And I think, um, you know, I really respected your game. So congratulations on being oh, inducted. You. I think it's well-deserved. Um, you're welcome. Uh, and I know that you, you said that you've been coaching. Uh, how do you mm-hmm. feel like having played so long uh, translates into coaching? Well, um, there's a lot of things that, that do and don't uh, translate. It is so much different to coach than play. But, uh, um, you know, when you play the position that you coach, there there's some of those little details that if you hadn't played the position that, that you just know and you can communicate easier to your athletes. And, you know, ultimately, you know, I think that's helped me as a woman um, coming in to coach high school boys, teenage boys. Um, and I was still playing when I started coaching. And um, they that all that gained me a lot of respect, I think, right away. Um, and uh, they really got into they, when I was in the World Championships in 2017. They all watched and um, had a huge congrats for me when I got back. And it was um, – uh, it's helped my playing has definitely helped my transition to coaching be a lot easier. That's, that's awesome. I, I, I guess I'll see that. Um, and in your playing experience, um, do you have a specific memory that that's your favorite or do you have any, you know, funny moments that happened along the way <laughs> or anything you want to kind of uh, reminisce on? Well, I think there's probably too many funny no- moments to really talk about, but <laughs> Um, you know, when we, when the shuttle force was in San Diego in 2013 and the national championship game, um, that was winning that, um, was probably the highlight obviously of my football career, just with the group of, um, women that I had played with up until that point and continue to play with and just everything we've been through, all the hard losses, um, you know, all, all the adversity and, and all, all the good things too, um, just made it really, really sweet. And uh, that's a group of people that, um, you know, I would do anything for. And, you know, hopefully likewise, we're, we're a pretty tight-knit group. And so, you know, obviously winning that with my team um, is the highlight, you know. And then, you know, the World Championships, too, in 2013 and 2017, um, you know, to, just to represent your country, to wear the USA on your chest is, is awesome. I, I never thought I would get the opportunity to do that. Um, let alone do that playing uh, tackle football, but um, uh, to be considered the best in the world at something, you know, as a group of individuals is, is, uh, is pretty cool. Um, and so uh, those two gold medals uh, also mean a lot. I definitely think that uh, you should be proud of that. that that's, that's an awesome career to, to be able to do all that. Um, when you, when you've been playing, is there what was the hardest defense that you went up against? What was the defense that that really made it tough for you? Um, you know, the Boston was was always really really tough. The 
militia and the renegades, um, they always, uh, you know, they, we, we couldn't do things that we liked to do. They were physical, they were tough, they brought pressure, um, and they didn't back down. And uh, I have a lot of respect for how they played us um, every single year. And you knew going into that game it was always going to be a battle. Um, and I don't know if there was ever um, – if there was a lot of close games, I should say. Um, I think they got us by quite a few a couple times. But, um, you know, back and forth in, the, in that Eastern Conference for a long time, you know, we battled it out. I really think th- those are the best games, though, when you when you get challenged like that. Oh, yeah. I, I I love it. Um, I'll end on uh, a lighter note. Uh, who's your favorite NFL team? Oh, favorite NFL team? Um, yes. I'm about 35 minutes from Soldier Field, so the Chicago Bears oh, have always okay. been okay. have always always been my favorite team. Uh, I so remember watching them win the, the Super Bowl. Your team just beat up um, Oscar's team. <laughs> yes. You had to bring yeah. that up, Holly. <laughs> Sorry, Oscar, but it, it's true. They, they, their defense dominated your, your offense there. Yeah. So <laughs> we're pretty excited. Yeah, about, I had to hear from the wife too. Yeah, we're pretty excited about football in Chicago. It's been a, a long time coming. So uh, it's been a, quite a year, and you know, looking forward to what happens here in the next few weeks. Awesome. Well, it was great speaking with you. Uh, I'll send it back you to too. you, Oscar. All right, uh, Jeanette, um, I got uh, whooped at home as well because she's a Bear fan, so she was really stoked. <laughs> and she gave me the doink when the uh, the kick, our kicker uh, failed to put it through the uprights. Yeah. She just turned around and said, you're a loser. Have a great night. I was like, great. <laughs> uh, but I got her cheesecake, so everything was good after that. So everything oh, worked that out. That made it better. Yeah, it just made it went better. Um, what do you think of Trubisky, since we're talking Bears? What do you think of the whole – I mean, Mac, I mean, you got to thank the Raiders just for giving you a gift, I guess. Well, yeah, they they kind of did. And uh, I think it was funny because John Gruden said about three weeks after, after the trade, you know, he's like, well, I wish we had a, a good uh, pass rusher. You know, hey, he just gave one away. But uh, so we feel very lucky uh, about having him. He's changed a lot. Uh, um uh, you know, a lot of things defensively for us. But, you know, Trubisky gets there's a lot of haters on him on local radio around here, um, you know, that he's, you know, he's inaccurate, which he is a little bit, and that he's he's not good enough for this team. But um got to remember what's, he's only in his second year in the NFL, and he didn't really start a lot in college. So he's pretty inexperienced, and he's learning on the job. And, I mean, I think, what are we, 9-3 and three now, 8-3 eight, eight and three somewhere around there, and uh, leading our division. So he's obviously doing something a little right. Um, so I'll hang with him. And, you know, the run game supports that. So I don't know why everybody's yes, so is. mad. I mean, this is just, like you said, two years in, you can't expect them to blossom so fast. If he doesn't have an arm, uh, Coach Nagy pretty much plays a run game with a balanced, you know, somewhat uh, short game, which benefits. Right. I mean, against the Rams, right. against the Rams, it was really more of a, you know, pressure and timing that the defense did a mm-hmm. great job at because, you know, Goff mm-hmm. and, and Gurley, could not get anywhere. And that was because, you know, they're bringing the fronts and they're really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, taking away the timing and the Rams run on timing. Right. You give them time. They, they pretty much do that. Sort of what you guys mm-hmm. used to do <laughs> in the WFA, yeah. a lot of timing. Yeah. So no timing. And that's yeah. when Boston comes in, right? And you get a battle with yeah. more of a defensive and be, pressure yeah. and your timing's off and guess what happens? You're not as good. Yeah. And 15 to six is nothing, you know, it's not a blowout, but it surely shows, 
both defenses really came to play. Yeah, it was a little bit different than uh, that the Thursday night game in the Coliseum between the Chiefs and the Rams was 51 to 53 or something like that. So you obviously can win football games both ways, uh, being offensive and being defensive. So I think that's what part of what makes the, the NFL so exciting. Uh, Jeanette, what do you think of this WNFC for 2019? So we got Adidas hookup. Uh, are you excited mm-hmm. to see what's going to transpire oh. right now on both sides? Because yeah. I'm excited yeah. for the WFA because it's like they've woken up. You know what I mean? Before they were kind of mm-hmm. complacent. The IWFL wasn't so much mm-hmm. of a big deal. No big deal. We own it. We're the biggest right. league in, in, on the planet or whatever in terms of mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. here you, get, you get OJ <laughs> coming into the mix. <laughs> and all of a sudden, right. you know, it's like sprinkle magic, and now you're now you're getting challenged. You're getting. Uh, I I think it's good for both, but it, I think it's a good thing for the WFA because now they have a a, a challenger in the sport mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is looking on one side, like you said, really business minded, which is a challenge. So now the mm-hmm. WFA has to come up with their own sponsorship, uh, you know, seeking their own sponsors, their game as well in terms of branding, so that the fans get involved with it too. So it's a lot of pressure on both uh, with both leagues. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think you said it um, really, really well. And when you don't have any competition, a lot of times you do, you know, sit back in your laurels and just let things happen. And um, when there is competition, everybody gets a little sharper. Everybody has to dig a little deeper, and ultimately you just get better. You know, whether it's you know yourself as an athlete, or in this case, uh, you know, a, a, a business. You know, it's just competition brings out the best, or it should. So, um, I'm excited to see what happens on, for both leagues to see, uh, you know, what the WFA comes back with, which ultimately will probably leave with a counter. I know OJ leaves with the uh, WFC coming back with something else. So, um, uh, it'll be exciting to see. Do you do we have a hope for a Chicago resurgence, or do you think that's already done? And because I mean, there's nobody. I think if you think about it in the history, then I've been covering it for you know what ten something years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's right. probably whoever whoever re reignites the Chicago base. Really, uh, <laughs> can you live up to the Grays and the Grisafis? Is really the question. <laughs> um, I know if there is another team that. Be under new ownership, obviously, and um, have a new name and, and all that. And I'd love just to have to, for Chicago to have a team. I mean, it's uh, the major market. Um, I know you could probably get a lot of interest and generate um, a, and create a pretty good team um, that could be competitive at the highest level of women's football. And um, so, you know, my hopes are that somebody uh, wants to take on that responsibility and make it happen. Well, if the WNFC does it, there's another major market for them because they got San Diego, they got right. Dallas, you know, so they, they could come and it's got to be done right. Like you said, because it's just not going to just plug mm-hmm. in a team because of the history right. and the past. and stuff. So, um, uh, Jeanette, thank you for making the time today. I really appreciate it. You, uh, have enlightened us a lot, uh, a lot of insights and we are so honored to always have you on, uh, you know, all worldwide receiver, a five-time WFA All-American, and now uh, a Hall of Famer and deserving. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime, uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to talk to you guys. Thank you, and, and thank you so much for what you guys do for the sport as well. Really appreciate it. All right, Jeanette, have a great uh, night tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, go Bears, I guess. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Yes, go Bears. <laughs>
Take care. Bye. 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 So there you go, Holly. You got to plug it in, make me feel better. You know what the wife did? Um, I was sitting on the couch at the time, and then the uh, Zerline uh, misses the field goal, right? <laughs> and uh, the, was it uh, Mike and Molly's theme? Uh, assume the position, she says, because you're going to get spanked <laughs> by a winner. And I'm like, this is so unfair. <laughs> and she, she, she had her moment, basically. I was like, all right, great. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, all, um, but all is fair in love and football. Oh, yeah. And, and she's a happy camper right now. I mean, she's like, mm-hmm. she's got her 52 jersey ordered. Uh, it's coming in for Christmas, so. <laughs> she just, I, I got to get the 52 jersey. And I'm like, all you get is defensive players because she's got her Urlacher jersey. And that's the only other, besides her Peyton, uh, Walter Peyton jersey. That's the only three jerseys she owns, mm-hmm. basically. I said, when are you going to get a quarterback? Well, a she goes, they, they're, they're crap. That's what she said. <laughs> Can I get a quarterback? <laughs> she's there with the Grossman. <laughs> she thought, we carried him to, oh, no. to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, so I can't I win. I, I can't win. You know what I mean? So, uh, but anyways, I lost. So I had a good cheesecake. Mm-hmm. So I did make everything better. Well, cheesecake is the way to go. I love cheesecake. Yeah, I, I had to go that route. Um, it was either that or get spanked. It's not going to happen. Man. <laughs> 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 oh boy. Um, okay, so <laughs> let's get back into the huddle here. Um, uh, let's before we get into the huddle here. Uh, December thirtieth. Before I forget here, December thirtieth, the USWSFL. Tri-City Thunder will be taking on the WFA Knoxville Lightning. That's going to happen uh, during the Titans versus Colts after that game. That's at, at the Nissan Stadium, part of the NFL Titans versus Colts. And after the game is over, December 30th, USWSFL Tri-City Thunder taking on Knoxville Lightning. If you need info, follow Knoxville Lightning or Tri-City Thunder on Facebook or go directly to the USFL, USWSFL page. Uh, and then go from there. So let's go into the huddle here. You can save up to 15% off at Zazzle.com. Use code ZazzleThanks for 15% off, or you can save even more by going to Zazzle.com, checking the daily code there. Use it, save big, uh, get the No Joke Football gear, and sport it. Send us a photo, send us a message on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, wherever you want to do it. Send us out a post, and then we'll check it out, and we'll post it up for you. Uh, Zazzle.com, 50% off at Zazzle. Use code Zazzle. Thanks. Let's go into the second huddle here, and we're going to be talking to Katrina Walter of the San Diego Surge um, and champion San Diego Surge and then uh, pioneer in the sport as well. So, Katrina, uh, Walter, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Oscar? I'm doing great, Katrina. Thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, I wanted to bring you on to give you some – Attaboys, um, and you've had a great career with the Surge. Are you excited over this Adidas thing that just happened this week? Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's great that there's actual that there's that there's a big name sponsor coming into the game. Um, it's it's great that somebody's been out there and able to pursue it, especially with the WNFC kind of being a first year league. In the way that OJ's been able to go chase this down is great. Katrina, what, do you, what did you feel of the event in, in uh, Vegas? Uh, and tell us a little bit about when you got the message saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and honor you at the, at the, at the Hall, Hall of Fame in Vegas. So they tracked me down with my work email, and I work in a cube farm. 
So pretty much the whole cube farm knew immediately. <laughs> um, I was pretty excited. There was a lot of yes, 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 and banging the desk, and everybody wasn't sure if I was okay to start with. And then, um, no, there was a lot of celebration and going around. It was it was really exciting. Nice, really nice. Uh, Katrina, the San Diego Surge, one of the uh, kind of elite teams in women's football in the last uh, you know ten years or so. Just like uh, you know Chicago Force, Dallas Elite, uh, Boston Divas. Um, how proud are you guys in that bunch? I mean, 2012 was a really good year for you guys, too. Uh, 2012 was great. 2011 and 2013 were pretty good, but kind of ended kind of crappy. Stupid Boston. Or maybe stupid us and good job, Boston. But, um, no, it, it's been great to be uh, – San Diego, San Diego, for kind of the history, has had really good uh, – we've been fortunate to have really good coaching staff and good organizations – in San Diego, um, you know, the Sunfire back in 2002, it was only in the little bitty awful, you know, American Women's Football League awful. Um, and there were only four teams, but we still went to the championship. We lost, but we went. Um, and outside of 2004, we've always had winning teams. Um, so it's um, from the, you know, from the Sunfire to the Scorpions to the Surge, and um, the rebellion as well. There's, um, they've all been winning franchises. Katrina, so are you playing? In the city where we win. Are you going to be playing or coaching? Or what's what's the uh, move for you? Oh, isn't that the question? So I'm definitely not coaching. Last year I coached with the rebellion, and um, I found out that coaching is not for me. It's, um, I, it's. I have a trouble getting trying to go figure out everybody else's problem. I was good when I was playing to figure out my problem, but then you have to stay calm and you can't just whack somebody for it. So coaching isn't sure. for me. Um, it's at this point, it's pretty likely that I'm going to play for the rebellion this year. Um, you know, some of my, I've had, I've got friends on both teams, but some of my closest friends include Katie Ott and Minji Martin and they own the rebellion. They kind of suckered me into coaching with them. Um, they also suckered my husband into coaching with them, which means that um, if I'm not playing, pretty much everybody I hang out with is, is in the middle of it. So I have to play. But women's football is kind of like crabs in a bucket. You try to get out of it, and then your buddies just pull you right back in. Fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I know. It's kind of like a rash you can't get rid of. I know. I've yeah, been told once, by many once you're people. In, once you're in, you're in. <laughs> is this a mafia or what, Gina? Does they just pull you or what? I mean, it becomes it becomes this whole it becomes this community that you're a part of, and um, you know they're there when times are tough. They're there when times are good. They're a distraction from everything else, and it eats up so much so much of your time while you're in it that it's really hard to find something else to take that time and fill as much of it that that football does, and that gives you as much purpose, because you know during season. You got to focus. You're focused on, you know, what's coming up with the next game, what you, what you've got to do, where practice it, what you're doing with practice, your assignments, uh, what your opponent looks like, your conditioning. There's all this focus and purpose. And I mean, it's to win a game. It's not a nobler purpose, but it's still a purpose. So you kind of lose that if you're not part of it. So it's really hard to walk away. You get out and you're kind of lost. Is it the structure? Is that what you're talking about? Really, the structure is really what keeps you kind of like coming back, I guess, in a way, right? The comfort zone structure? It, 
it's a structure. It's, it's, you know what you're planning for for the next week. Um, it's your teammates, and you're going to see, you know, you're going to go see all your friends at practice. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to miss who they're cracking on during warmups. You want, you want to be, so it's a structure, but it's also, you want to be part of that community. You know, that's where, that's where so many of the good things that you've got going on are going on is in that community. Rebellion success in the WNFC, does it, who does it fall under? Do you think Nenji and Ott have it to put it, to put this team on the map, just like the surge was in the WFA? I think we have, um, I think that we've got the pieces that we need to work towards being successful. We're still, you know, in the, in the WFA last year, we made it to the quarterfinals. Um, we're growing this team. Um, we had a lot of players that hadn't played football before last year. We've got more rookies coming in this year. So it's putting the pieces together. It's growing towards being successful. Do we have a shot? Sure. Everybody's got a shot. Um, but I think that our odds are going to continue to pr- improve over the years to come. I, what are you most proud of in terms of your career at this point? Is there a moment that stands out that you are proud of? Oh, it's easily the championship in, in 2012 because it wasn't, I mean, it was the way the game was won. It was coming into, the, it was the way we had to work to get to that game. Um, it was where the game was played. You know, it's the only major game that's been played in an NFL stadium. Heinz Field was amazing. Um, it was, uh, you know, going into that game on the morning of our first playoff game that year, I had my appendix out. So it was pushing wow. to be able to get back. I was I was fighting with the doctors and nurses in the hospital, going, "I, I got a game at two o'clock. You guys got to let me. I got I got to be at the field at two o'clock. You guys have to let me out of here." And then fighting with my husband because wow. he drove me because otherwise I was going to. So it was this, um, and that game. You know, we we came out. We got to a great start. You know, one of the probably one of the top top two or three athletes to ever play in women's football was Jessica Javelet. She was on that team. We started off with a touchdown, a long touchdown to her. We got up to a decent lead. Um, Chicago came out with, uh, um, came out, played hard, fought back, disciplined like you would expect Chicago to be. Uh, we had a little bit of disarray and there was, you know, we kind of started pointing fingers at each other, got in at halftime, got settled back down, kind of worked out some of the drama that happens when you have a lead in the championship game. Everybody's emotionally charged. You start to lose it. We worked through that, um, had a couple of great plays, you know, uh, punt return to punt return for a touchdown to go up and then an interception to end the game after they're driving on us. It was um, just the way it came down. It is absolutely 100% my favorite memory in women's football was that game. And going up against Grisafi and Gray is not not a huge, not a you know it's a big deal. They're a very skilled set, so Chicago's always always been very formidable. I actually didn't worry about those guys too much, but I had my hands full with Kim Marks. She's a heck of a ball player for them too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, wh- what a highlight for the WFA that year. I mean, and then for you guys, you I think it was only like what a couple years for you guys as a franchise before you went to that championship, right? Uh, so the surge started in 2000, uh, 2010, 2011. Uh, but it was a reincarnation of the Scorpions, which was 
a split off and then a reincar and then a rejoining of the Sunfire. So a lot of the core personnel were from the early days of San Diego football. Um, but the surge as an organization and even, even the ownership and the coaching staff, a lot of that had followed through from where the Scorpions were in the early days. So yeah, the surge hadn't been an organization very long as the surge, but the team had been around and together for a while. So the nucleus was there already for that next step. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, let's we bring in Holly here to pick your brain then. Players, so. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, Holly? Good. It was awesome to meet you in, in Vegas. You as well. Um, I know that you've had uh, a storied career, and I'm excited to hear that you're playing again. I think you're actually on our schedule this year, so I'll get to see you again. So that should be fun. Um, you went over your best memories so far in the sport. Is there one that was the most funny, like the funniest moment that you've ever had so far? Um, you know, I, I listened to the, some of the podcasts from last week on the way home and I listened to a little bit of Jay Gray's and I was trying to get prepped for this and I knew you were going to ask that question. And, <laughs> I like it. But um, I like the question. I mean, there's a lot, I, I don't know. It's tough. Um, the, one of my favorite, very short stories that, that I think is, that I think is pretty ridiculous is I was sitting at the bottom of a pile. And we were playing the Aftershock. This was way back in the early days. Uh, this is like this was 2002. And um, there's this pile on top of me. And we had blue pants on. And they had black pants on. And it was dark under the pile. And there were all these people on top of my head. And I reached up. And I just pinched a leg to get people off, thinking it was one of them. No. It was the <laughs> guard that was right next to me. She's like, hey, who did that? <laughs> She's like, oh, it's you. And then nobody was mad. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's not that funny, but no, um, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty funny. I mean, like stuff like that happens, and and even if it's like a small type of story, it's one of those things that you're right. Um, it, it's one of the, it's part of the experience of, of playing is having moments like that. So that that's really funny. Um, I so you said that. Uh, that when you played Chicago, it was pretty tough. Would you say that they were the, the toughest team that you faced so far? Or what would no, be the, the toughest? We have a team uh, going no. on today. <laughs> I, Boston was really, I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's a toss up of Dallas with Jessica Springer. Dallas without Jessica mm-hmm. Springer was a different story. Jessica Springer, again, is, is probably the best women's football player of all time. And, um, mm-hmm. So Dallas with and without her is a different story. So Dallas with Springer or Boston are the two toughest teams that we played. I was not, awesome. the first time we played Boston, I was not expecting them to be as tough as they were. Um, but they came, they were disciplined, they were talented, they were faster than we expected. And they go out and they will punch you in the mouth. And that's the way awesome. the game's supposed to be played. That's that's really, really cool. Yeah, you're, you're right. Justin Springer is, is definitely on that Mount Rushmore for me too. I didn't really get to play her until the end of her career. And when I tackled her, honestly, it was one of the best things of my career, just being able to say, it's kind of like when people play in the NFL and they're like, Oh, I got to, you know, I got to sack Peyton Manny. Like that's that type of thing because she was that good. Um, so that, that's really cool. 
so now that you're you're playing again, are, are you gonna uh, are you still gonna stick to defense, or what does this uh, season look like for you? Um, I'm not. I'm probably not gonna play offensive line this year. Um, it right. looks like my husband's gonna coach the offensive line, which means I'm probably not gonna play for him. That's not a recipe for right. happiness. So um, right. I'm probably gonna play inside linebacker this year. Yay! And then maybe maybe that's get that's a little bit of work at tight end on offense for Katrina. Uh, Katrina, you're trying to take out aggression or something for 2019. <laughs> My HR department <laughs> sure would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. That's that's really cool. Um, I think I think it's a really um, it's my favorite spot on the field, but. Uh, what do you think now that, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about Adidas, what do you think about the future of, of our sport? What do you think we need to do to, to get better as a sport? I think we need to recruit and retain better young athletes. The level of athlete on the field needs to come up. Um because I'll tell you what, I am. I, I, I had some good coaching, and I've had a lot of time, and I was in early, which helped me get into the Hall of Fame a lot. But I am not that caliber of athlete. Some are. Jay Gray is absolutely that caliber of athlete. I never was. We need to be able to get much better caliber of athlete playing the game if we're ever going to get this where people want to watch it on a regular basis. We can't be adding 35-year-olds that have never played football before if we're going to be a sport that people want to watch. We have to be adding girls younger and they've got to be good athletes. And that's really where we do the things to be able to maintain these sponsorships. Um, And then we've got to add more of them because practices can't be 15 people. Squads have got to be running. If you really want to have good football out there, squads have got to be running 40, 50 deep so that practices you're practicing one side of the ball you scrimmage against a defense and not just something that's hacked together because that's what you've got for players um but that's really where the sport needs to go is we need to get there in recruiting i completely agree i mean i started in 2007 and even from then to now the difference is is big and that when I first started, if you're any kind of athlete, you were dominant. And now there are more athletes, but you're right. We need even more. And I'm hoping with, you know, the addition of the new league and Adidas and more competition between the leagues that we start attracting more of those athletes to get better. So I think that that's, that's a, that's a smart insight there for sure. Um, I, you know, I asked uh, uh, Jen Gray a minute ago, but uh, who's your NFL team? Denver. Denver? And yeah, and that's a little nice. rough right now. You what? You know, and that's a little rough right now, you know. Got on a little bit of a well, streak enough to screw up the, de- the the enough to screw up the draft pick and then lost to the Niners, so it's not it's Well, not I'm a Niners fan. Right so so it's not much better in my camp, honestly. Um but I think, you know, Denver has some pieces. I mean, you have uh, one of my favorites, Royce Freeman, and, and Lindsey's a really good running back. That's going to be a one-two punch for a while. You have some pieces. You, you probably need a better quarterback, and, um, you, you know, there's a couple holes there. But you're still in a better spot than my team, so hang in there. <laughs> yeah, there's some leadership There's some leadership issues in Denver. 
that need to get worked out. Um, there's, you know, a lot of people aren't happy with Vance Joseph as a head coach. And the ship's a little bit rudderless um, with Pat Bowen right now, right? He's got Alzheimer's. The trust is kind of trying to mm-hmm. figure stuff out, and it's a little bit rudderless right now. So right. ownership kind of needs to get straightened out, and then I, I imagine the ship will get righted. Right. Katrina, uh, well, the Chargers, what do you say of the Chargers in your backyard? Oh, I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> I, I mean, I was a Denver fan, so I didn't I didn't care about the Chargers to start with. They kind of messed up traffic on Sundays. The blackout rules oh, for boy. a while. The the taxpayer money to them. Good riddance. Let LA. Oh know. boy. I can tell you, nobody <laughs> wants them even in Carson. That's been my joke all year. <laughs> like flea markets scatter people out in Carson. Anyways, um, so we know how you feel. Awesome. <laughs> Well, that's good. Well, that's, I mean, that, that's really... go ahead, Holly. Oh, oh no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, um, you know, I completely understand that, but I, I kind of feel bad for the Chargers because I don't think anybody wants them really. No, San Diego wanted them. San Diego didn't. San Diego did not want to subsidize a billionaire. Yep. Yep. But okay. San exactly. Diego wanted the team, and they were the only ones that wanted them. So now. San Diego doesn't even care about them, so nobody wants them. And I hope I hope that it just that it just completely doesn't pay out financially for the Spanos family. Because I mean, there's not a whole lot of malice towards the players of the organization, but boy, we hate the Spanos down here. Spanos has been kind of bad <laughs> in yeah. a way. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's not a likable guy, by the way. <laughs> yeah. At all. Yeah, Cronky's uh, likable because he's a lot more laid back and you know does his business mind but spanos is a greedy person in my just trying to get some stuff out of people it's not working yeah so for whatever money and they figure out a better answer oh yeah go ahead holly oh i was just gonna say uh, i have to the jump off here but i appreciate talking to you again and uh, I will hopefully see you soon, and uh, best of luck to you. Yeah, you too. Cortina, uh, Katrina, uh, San Diego Bye. surge in the WNFC, what do we see or what do we expect for, uh, you know, April, come April? What, what can you give us some insights on? Are we, are, we doing, uh, are we doing well, I mean, in terms of how we're going to get there and stuff? Uh, I don't have a whole lot of insight. I ran into some of the coaching staff and some of the players um, in Vegas last weekend, had a Mm -hmm. short chat with them, but I don't have a whole lot of insight of what's going on with the surge. I've got a little better idea what's going on with the rebellion, but the surge, I mean, I know, I know that they've got the the coaching staff is strong. They've got a good base of players. You'd be fool. You'd be foolish to count the surge out. Um, But um, they're gonna they're gonna be a good team. They're always a good team. They're always prepared. Um, so I think that you know I think that they will be right there with Dallas. The rivalry in the Southern Cal. Do you think it can it can get that intense between the two teams in Southern Cal? Um. Yeah, I think that there is. I think there is definitely some potential. There are, you know, when teams split, there are definitely hard feelings that pop up sometimes. So the the intense, the rivalry can get that intense. 
Um, and it's up to the rebellion to step up to the plate, right? The surge has a history, and rebellion's up and coming, and it's us, up to us to step up to the plate and punch them in the nose and see whether or not they can stand fighting once we punch them in the nose. So are you excited and, for this whole new, uh, we don't know what to expect type, you know, environment? I mean, it's, it's exciting in one sense because you haven't even hit the, you know, you haven't even played one down, and we already get a sponsorship. So the pressure, I think, on the organization's, uh, you think in your view, like I was mentioning earlier, the pressure on, on each team is really to perform, right? Because you, you cannot have blowouts. You really need to be having tight games or something of a good good matchups, right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely some pressure to perform, and the competition's going to be stiff. So if you don't perform, you're going to get blown out because the competition is stiff. There are really good teams in this league. And if you're not ready to play, um, the blowout, if, you, if you're not ready to play, you're going to get blown out. So we're going to come in and do everything we can to be ready to play. And we're going to go toe-to-toe with these guys. Katrina, what do you think it's going to be when they have to make a, a decision? You think, like, overseas, some teams – uh, that are not that great, they get reassessed. At this point, you're not at a scope of an NFL where you can get a draft pick and go, okay, you're, you're first in drafting players. But you think the WNFC at some point is going to go, the, the lower team that got blown out, maybe they reassess and bring some, another team in and maybe suspend them for a year to get better? What do you think the, the, the model could be, in other words? I don't have any insight into how OJ is planning these type of things. I think relegation is a good idea. I would have liked to seen the WFA do more selecting what level, what tier teams belonged in, um, and pulling some of the pulling a few more teams up into tier one. Um, but really doing a better job, not just self-select, but the league kind of going, no, you don't get to be there. You have to be here. Um, for some and to your I point, think and to your point be before, great. roster size really does affect all that. You're, you're talking about that. Remember, you said re- retention yes. plus roster size. This, this doesn't only affect the Sunday, I mean, uh, Saturday games, but it also affects the, uh, like you said, the sustainability of practice. And there's a lot of other factors going to play, as to your point before, which is really key, right? Yeah. You've got to have the roster. You can't go into the season with 20 players. You can survive a season going in at 30. But if you want to win, if you want to have a shot at a ring, you've got to have a minimum of 40 players. And it would be good if 20-plus of them had played football before. Yeah, the core. That's what most coaches yep. tell me, the core. you got to have a core of 25, basically, at a minimum yep. that can do that. And then you got to – you know, another core of 10 that are probably ready to be at, with the core. of, And then you got to have the back, like you said, the support, right? Because you get injuries to take into account. You figure every coach I talk to, every says 40, 40, 45-man roster is truly 35 and even 32 in reality. And then not accounting for injuries, that's another seven or between seven and eight players that are going to just come out. And, and so you're, you're truly at 25 to your point. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've been on I've been on teams with in San Diego where we've had forty man rosters, and you'd have thirty five plus at practice, where everybody was bought in, and the coaches did a good job of making practice meaningful and a good use of your time. 
I think there are a fair number of teams out there where the coaches don't make practice beneficial to the players. They go, they do it, but it's not planned out. Um, it's not a good use of time. That's one of the things that we're really striving to do and even the better job with the Rebellion this year is making sure that practice is focused, that we're on a schedule, that we do not waste the limited practice time that we have. Is that hard? Is that why coaching becomes so vital? Because a lot of a lot of teams in every sport, I think you're talking every sport, that is like the nucleus for success. You get that right. Nine times out of ten, the, the product on the field on game day is going to show exactly what you've been doing week to week, week, week to week, and then obviously the focus on what you're focusing on. Yeah, I think that is key, and there's a couple of reasons why it's key. Number one, your coaching staff and your core players, that's your leadership. That sets culture. Is our culture that we're out here to have a good time and we'll show up if we want, and if not, we don't, and then we're going to go drink after the game, whatever happens? Is your culture, we are young, we are improving, we're going to get better. Even if we don't win, we are going to continue. We're going to learn something from this, and we're going to play hard, and we're going to get better. Is your culture we're out here for a ring, and if we don't win a ring, this season is not successful. Don't you drag us down. We're going to do this together, and we're going to win, and we're, we're playing for a ring, and that's what we're playing for. And if it's not a ring, it's not a success. And really, so that coaching staff and those core players define that. So that's one, is defining culture. Two, it is setting practice schedules. Is stuff on time. Is practice, it's, it's all the logistics and the managerial aspects. Do all these pieces work together? Is it is it well run? Do you feel like your time is wasted? Do you feel like you got something out of it? And then the third piece is technical expertise. Um, I can't believe that I made it this far without um, really thanking Coach Ring for – because I wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame if it weren't for him. He is – in my opinion, he is the most technically proficient, at least O-line coach, if not coach, coach in women's football. The guy works really, really hard at getting better at coaching every year. He's attending seminars. He's getting DVDs. He's working on drills. He's, he's taking stats. And, um, you know, the surge has always had a great O-line and it's because we had a great O-line coach. So that's the other thing is you've got to have the technical expertise. In the WFA, the last couple of years, I've covered WFA in a long time. The tier system is great, but it's just a matter of, you know, what tier you, do you want to make it a more business pro-minded? I've always said the East Coast should be their jewel, and it's never happened. They've never focused on it. Um, so now you have, you know, the WNFC literally nationwide in a regional format, which is going to be more like a soccer-style tournament-type mentality, which I think works well for travel and everything else. So, I, you know, at this point, we don't know that until it launches, but it's sure, it sure seems like it's going to be a better uh, logistic approach. Oh, yeah, the, the WFA travel situation for playoffs, I – every – so back in 2011, 2012, 2013, we're looking at games, and we know that we've got to win by 40 or the Massey ratings have to be at a certain point, and win by 40 is good enough for Massey ratings for, you know, that's going to cap your, the, 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 what you can get. And you're looking at it every week. Where are we at? Where's Dallas at? And it comes down a couple of years. We were going into the last game of the season going, 
okay, how are they going to use the travel distance rule? Is it going to be the amount of time it gets to take somewhere or is it going to be the number of miles? Because Kansas City to Dallas was farther, but Fresno to San Diego was longer because LA traffic. So it came down to, okay, cause that's, it, it never actually came down to that, but we were always one step away from that tiebreaker rule determining what was going to cost which team 50 grand to get everybody on an airplane to either fly to Dallas or fly to San Diego. And You're right. that, so it turns out that if you are not, if you are not the number one seed in your division, you might as well not go to the playoffs because it's just costing you so much to travel. You are losing the third round before you get to the semifinals because it is cost prohibitive to being able to continue the organization if you have to fly that flight. Yeah, and we've seen so, that before, and that was one of the gripes that some of the WNFC teams that are now in there, that was one of the gripes that they had. A lot of players had that because it's kind of a sacrifice. You get to the playoffs, but there's no perk, you know, to get you to the next level or to get you to the final championship, and there was no built-in model for that or compensation model. And so, yeah, it becomes a hurdle to the point where, as Odessa had said before, you, you – get to the championship, but it just feels like you're a loser because you didn't really accomplish anything. Financially, you were not yeah. in good standing. And ultimately, yeah, you get there, but your players are worse off than they were when they started in the season. And ultimately at the end, yeah, you get a ring, but there's no intake to gratify or satisfy anything. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a huge deal. So with the, if, they, if they do a tournament format similar to the best of the West where you're taking – a significant portion of the travel out. Everybody just does one. There's everybody's flying once. I mean, in the case of Vegas, your SoCal team is going to drive. Your Utah team might drive. Your Vegas team is not going to drive. Um, but if you can, if you can do that similar format and t- you can take out, I mean, you're taking a hundred thousand dollars worth of travel out of league costs. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty substantial amount of money. And the regional formatting works well because it works in other sports as well. It's not just the only sport that does it. Soccer does it. Hockey does it. Every major, you know, sport does it where they do a regional tournament where they bring in, you know, you make it more viable that way. And at the same time, based on attendance, intake, and excitement, you get a growth of fanfare that comes in. And then ultimately over time you get obviously sustainability and more profitability, which I think that's the key right there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm glad that you are working with the Rebellion. Glad that you're going to be back on the field um, and, you know, knocking heads off, as they say. So, really, really, I wanted to bring you on but, to give you your uh, due because I think you've worked wait, really wait hard. Second. Actually, uh, what we say, well, you don't say knocking heads. We say we hit a bitch. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that, I, I don't know if I can say that, can say but that. I know you said this it. Is not so, FCC. it's got to be very that. impactful. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I might have to put that on a shirt. <laughs> it's a great shirt. Yeah, that would be a great shirt. <laughs> uh, I, you might have to send it to me. I might have to put it on a shirt and make it bold and stuff. Um, but, yeah, uh, Katrina, uh, this is going to be a pretty exciting season coming up. I mean, for everybody in, in terms of we don't know what, but Adidas hooking up here, uh, get a two-year commitment, I mean – you can't get any better than that. Everybody's got to be excited for just the kickoff. Yeah, I mean, it's great. There's a sponsorship. The deal with the 
the deal with putting the games on in the airport in Denver is pretty cool. You know, there's a lot of people that are going to see that. That's going to really drive some awareness. That's really cool. There's some there's some cool things going on um, with with the WNFC this year. And Colorado just seems to be a hotbed for women's tackle football. I mean, there's like a boatload of teams in Colorado. And so now it's like you're going to play the national championship, uh, the WFA national championship from what I've heard, no, no official notice, is going to be in Denver also that's, with the right, Title IX Cup in the WNFC. So we're going to have, um, I guess, competition to see which championship game is going to live up to a hype mode. That's, I mean, that's great. And Denver's a short flight, and it's cheap to get there. So I'm happy about that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, logistics and costs and travel, yeah, makes sense. Um, Thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward to what you guys can do with the Rebellion and stay competitive and all the teams, uh, kind of excitement happening as we come into spring and summer. Um, And I I just can't can't be more happier. It's going to be awesome. You know, WFA and WNFC, and it's like, what can you do? You, as a fan, you got to be really excited. Yeah, I think it's. I think that it's going to be great. All right, thank you for making the time. Have a great uh, weekend, and uh, congratulations again on your honors. And we'll look forward to uh, the w, uh, WNFC 2019 season with the Rebellion. Thank you, Oscar. Congratulations to you as well. Thank you. Have a great uh, week. Appreciate it. Yep. Welcome. Bye bye. All right, you guys, uh, Katrina Walter, um, outstanding San Diego Surge, uh, pioneer in uh, women's football in Southern California, champion 2012 at Heinz Field versus Chicago Force. Um, Looking forward to uh, competing once again in 2019 for the San Diego Rebellion. Uh, What an amazing career she's had. Uh, What a pioneer in the sport. Um, and so she keeps getting better and better. And she's mentioned it right there. Reality sinks in. Everything she said is what's happened in, in the past. So uh, we're looking forward to 2019 to see what changes happen on both sides, the WFA and the WNFC, and who's going to, uh, I guess we've got to use the hashtag, step up your game. <laughs> the hashtag is what we're using now. So step up your game. And uh, no joke football coming up in the summer of uh, 2019. So, um, you guys can go to Zazzle.com. It's, uh, take up to 15% off at Zazzle. Use code ZazzleThanks, and you get all the no-joke football gear there. Zazzle has been on, on sponsor for us for over 10 years, and we are more than happy to uh, you know, have their partnership with us. Um, you can also download every episode, over 200 episodes on Apple Podcasts. You can go to TuneIn, Block Talk Radio, and now we're on Player.fm, and you can search it on Google. So search Google Gridiron Beauties, search Bing Gridiron Beauties, Yahoo search everywhere you can search Gridiron Beauties. Uh, the best podcast covering Women's American Football Weekly and NFL News. That's us, and that's what you're listening to today. So let's go into the third huddle, uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com as well. And you can uh, let's talk to Lanny Ford, um, and that's the talented KC Tribe, Dallas Diamond, and KC Titan legendary pioneer uh lanny what's going on not too much i got my daughter with me tonight so she's gonna be sitting here with us nice nice that's not not a problem uh lanny uh excited for vegas when you got the news uh you're getting inducted how did that moment go well to be honest 
I had basically put football behind me for the most part because I'd been out a whole season and uh, getting an email out of nowhere was kind of a shock. I was in the middle of Nebraska Furniture Mart and I started screaming and looked at my wife and uh, wanted to cry immediately because I had no idea what was going on. A couple of emails later, you know, it started making sense and still to this day I have no idea how I ended up there, how I got put into that category, but it was truly an honor and just being there in a room full of these women that, you know, when I was a kid, I looked up to and heard about and was like, I want to be like that one day. To sit in the same room with them and get the same recognition was just completely mind-blowing. I have no words for it. Yeah, it's just, you know, and uh, you have been part of a lot of teams. The Tribe, really good team. You, uh, you were part of the Dallas Diamonds, which is legendary squads. And then you've been part of Kansas City for a while, and last year was not a bad year for Kansas City either. Yeah, I've, I've played for a couple of teams. You know, I happen to be one of those floaters in my younger years. You know, I look back and I still have no idea how I could afford to even play football, you know, even then and even in recent years, I still have no idea how we did it. But, you know, you kind of go where your heart takes you. And, you know, being an athlete my whole life, all the way from, you know, elementary school, I always wanted to do better, do better, do better. So whenever the opportunity presented itself, you know, I jumped on it. There was some people that helped me along the way. You know, when I went to play for Dallas, for example, there was a there was a whole group of us. You know, the tribe shut down because, you know, Mindy White stopped owning the team and it was time for her to, you know, take a step back and kind of disperse. And the opportunity presented itself to go down to Dallas and step the game up a bit and so, you know, I went with it. We traveled down there basically every weekend in a big old truck with all of us, and <laughs> it was uh, quite the learning experience. Met a lot of really, really amazing athletes, good people at heart, and, I mean, OJ clearly doing big things, the whole team down there. Couldn't be prouder of them. Taught me a lot. That was my fourth season, I believe, so that was really when I started getting an actual grasp on the concept of football and, you know, how do you become a better athlete? How do you put all the pieces together? So that was uh, quite the experience and, you know, financial reasons and things like that brought me back home. It's a lot to travel, eight hours to play football every weekend, especially when you're paying for everything. But, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. A lot of good people, a lot of good teams, a lot of good memories. Lanny, what do, what do you, uh, what was the first thought in your brain when you saw this huge bombshell with the uh, the ad? What was the first thing that came to your head? I honestly had to watch it a couple of times because I couldn't believe it. You know, usually some people get word of some things, you know, through the grapevine. But, I mean, it was mind-blowing to see people that I actually know I've interacted with on TV with a major sponsor like that says, hey, this isn't just a dream. It's a reality. It's happening. You know, they're called pioneers for a reason. Somebody's got to be the little man that paves the way. So, I mean, more power to it. I just hope that there's more that jump in it, you know, more sponsors, more competition. I want to see it blow up like the NFL. I want to see women on there getting paid, having drafts. That'd be fantastic. We just got to, you know, we got to tighten up the competition. we got a lot of women's leagues out there, and there are numerous teams in the same city or the metro area. I mean, you got Dallas and Arlington. There's Austin. 
you know, Kansas City had a couple of teams in it at one point. It used to be the Tribe and the Spartans. I think we are on our way to making a unified group that's going to go to big places, definitely. And you can't you can't doubt uh, Jenkins <laughs> with her passion. Um, I mean, Not at all. <laughs> she, she's a salesman. I can tell you that right now. She's a really good salesman. And um, hey, she she said it. You know, a, a while back, she said, "Hey, I'm going to make this happen." And whether you hate me or like me, it's it's going that route. And I think it's uh, you know what. She's doing it, so that's a great thing. Oh yeah, even at the uh, the banquet out in Vegas, she uh, when she was talking to everybody, she made it clear that when she puts her mind to something, it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. She'll find a way. And you know, I I remember faintly back in 2013 when we played together. You know, I didn't really know anybody. I just kind of you know was there to learn and things like that. You know, I wasn't so much outspoken as I am now, but. I remember her talking about how she wishes she could run things and how she would do it if she could. And here we are a few years later, and I'd say she's about as big of a name as it gets in women's football. Yeah. So let's talk about you, Lanny. Um, The career, you started in Kansas City. Take us into this little journey, and then uh, take us into the last year of your playing career. Yeah. So I actually started in Tennessee. I'm from Michigan. I ended up going to college out in Clarksville, Tennessee, and there was a very, very small black and white printed poster on some regular sheet of paper on the on the glass heading into class one day, and I called it, left a voicemail. I mean, it was in black and white. There wasn't even color on it. I was like, women's football, I've heard of this. That'd be pretty cool. So I called, and they talked me into coming to a couple practices, and I've never had a more physical meeting in my life football is unlike anything else, you know, nothing like track or basketball, nothing like that. And so, you know, I heard you guys talking earlier about having a big roster is key. Well, I can definitely vouch for that because I think the uh, Clarksville Fox, when we played, maybe had 22 people on it that whole season. I mean, it was very small. And, you know, it's fun. I think we finished like four and four, you know, basic season. Didn't go to the playoffs or nothing. But I ended up coming out to Kansas City because, again, the opportunity presented itself to play for a bigger team, better team, you know, learn a little. So came out and played for the Tribe for a couple of years. And, yeah, those are some athletes, you know. I, I played with some really amazing women that, you know, some of them are retired now, like Jenny Schmidt. I mean, Still to this day, I don't know a single human being who's more humble than her. Um, you know, but after a couple of years for, I'm still not sure of the reasons why, but, you know, Mindy White, the owner, stepped down and, you know, the tribe ceased to exist after that. And the Spartans and the tribe kind of combined, you know, the two teams that were out here. And we had the Titans, but, you know, Dallas was an option at that point, And clearly it was a bigger, better team at the time. And, you know, I wanted to learn. I wanted to be the best. That was the mentality. I was always told, even through recent years, that you're never going to be able to be the best. You're never going to be a starter. You're never going to do this. And I was bound and determined to do that. So went up to Dallas. We went to the ship, which was my only experience with that, and got our butts whooped by Chicago. I mean, whooped. I got injured in that game, actually. And I'll just I'll never forget playing against them. I mean, the caliber of athleticism on that team is unmatched. 
Dallas, Chicago, Boston, all of them, never played anything like that. I don't care who you are, you got to give your props to them. It's really sad that they're not a team anymore because that was the driving force. No matter who you played for, you were like, I got to beat Chicago. I got to beat Boston. I got to beat D.C. I got to be able to beat these players. And uh, came back on the Titans for a number of years. We had our ups and downs, you know, big seasons, not so good seasons. We were missing coaches at one point where we had one coach on the whole team. But, you know, when you love something, you you, you know, there's a will, there's a way. So we all kind of joined together and ran the team ourselves. Um, my best friend, Carrie, she ended up being the GM of the team for a long time just so we would have a team here in Kansas City. You know, it's important to a lot of us. Katie Sowers, Liz Sowers, we all wanted to play. You know, we weren't going to let that go easily, so to speak. And, you know, life takes you different directions. You know, Katie's clearly doing big things out in San Francisco right now, and Liz is working on her own stuff. She'll always be a superstar, you know, but life happens, family happens. Some people are meant to play forever, and some of us get pretty beat up, and, you know, we got to retire at some point. But there's not really, I think, enough time to talk about the journey. We all, every one of us who has ever played women's football probably has a similar journey. We were floating at one point and football was the one thing that pulled us down to earth, gave us a purpose, gave us a family, gave us a reason to live, something to fight for. You know, there are days where you literally wait and stare at the clock to get off of work so you could go to football practice, even though half the time in those worst years, you'd sit at practice and stand around until dark because there was nobody there. You know, half the team didn't show up, coaches didn't show up. And then there are times where everybody's at practice and it's so organized and you feel like this machine is working. It's well-oiled. We are going somewhere. The little, the big, the good, the bad, it all makes a difference. I mean, I think that's everyone's dream. Whether you win the ship or not, we all want to win that. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all want that ring with five of them, you know, whatever your course takes you. But it's all about the journey, and I think we all have a special one. Agreed. Uh, let's bring in Salty in here, Mackenzie, uh, to kind of pick your brain in here. Hey there, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? You know, I'm living the dream. I am. I'm living the dream. Um, so my first question is, um, so, you know, you've been, for all intents and purposes, across the country as far as uh, your team play, what would you say was the biggest thing for you trans- transitioning from one team to another team, you know, and then, um, you know, just what overall was your biggest um, transition going from one team, you know, going from all those teams to the next transition into another team? You know, it was really every team has a different way of working. You know, some teams are more, you know, I talk, you listen. Some are more hands-on. Some are more team-oriented than, you know, individual positions. And each team that I played for, whether it's a second year with the team or just a brand-new one, there was always something new to learn. And you'd have to take that and apply it to the next year or the next team. It, you never just walked in knowing what was going on, knowing how to do it, you know, because – you could play for 10 years, walk onto a new team, and they do it completely different. So, you know, being able to mm-hmm. adapt 
to a new method is really what was key in that and having an open mentality to it. you got to be open to criticism. So honestly, I think that was the biggest thing team to team, year to year, was being able to take that criticism and build from it, you know. Absolutely. I don't you – know, I can only imagine I've, play, I've played for, um, well, only one other team other than uh, the Iowa Crush – so I played for the Madison Blaze, so I definitely know, you know, trying to stay open-minded is definitely very key as far as trying to make your own personal transition, you know, as smooth as possible without having, you know, to overreact or, you know, whatever the case might be. So definitely understand you on that, on that, uh, you know, on that. So my next question for you is, what was your initial reaction when you found out you were being inducted into the Hall of Fame? And then what's your initial reaction now that you're back from Vegas? I thought it was a joke at first. I had, I had no idea what it was. You know, there was no Hall of Fame prior to this. This was the first year for it. So, you know, after being out of the game for a year, I was like, is this a setup? Did someone, how did they even find out about me? <laughs> you know, I never did the world games. I, I never tried out for USA, although I wish I would have. You know, I, I never won a championship. I was never, you know, that person that was out there. You know, I was just always a really good player on the team that was always dependable. So the fact that someone knew who I was, and I still, again, have no idea how this happened, but – I was in complete disbelief. I felt overwhelmed with emotions. I was happy. I wanted to cry. I wanted to laugh. You know, like I said, I was in the middle of Nebraska Furniture Mart, and I just, like, looked around and was like, oh, my God, (laughs) big stuff is happening. You know, I think my wife was more excited than me at first because I was in shock. But, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And now that I've been there and I'm back, I'm more humbled than anything and more grateful because, like I said, you know, the women that got inducted are just, everybody knows who they are. And the fact that I got to experience that and I get to be a part of history for once, I get to say I'm the first at something or I'm in the first class of something, I will never forget that ever in my life. You know, my kids look up to me and they were so proud of me. They texted me the whole time. And that's what it's about. I have a coworker whose kids were so excited and they went to school and told their friends and they're like, women can do that, girls can do this, and that's what it's all about. So I'm more humbled than anything now. Absolutely. Now, I believe us as, uh, you know, women's players are here for one purpose other than playing the sport of football, which is to empower young girls to do the same things and follow their ambitions. So I have so much respect for all of you that have, you know, been inducted into the Women's Football Hall of Fame. Like I say to everybody else, I just hope I can – get there and join the next class with you guys. So I'm just, oh, I'm yeah. extremely proud, even though I, if I don't even know, you know, most of the players that are on the hall of fame roster personally, like we all share the same connection of playing the sport we love, which is football. So hats off to you and hats off to everybody else. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And agreed. Everyone Absolutely. out there. So my final question for you is, Looking back on every sport and every athletic that you've played up until, you know, being inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame, did you ever think that you would, you know, be placed in a position uh, back then? Did you ever think that you'd be placed in a position now to where you can say, I'm a football Hall of Famer? No, I, I never thought that. Honestly, you know, when I started playing, a lot of people thought it was a joke because you 
paid to play. I mean, there wasn't a lot of, you know, um, media about it or anything. A lot, most people hadn't heard of it. I just did it because I was always told I couldn't and I always wanted to. So when the opportunity presented itself, I jumped on it. I just decided, you know, whether it was, you know, just amongst us football girls or if it went global, I was going to try to be the best at it as I could. I mean, I'm competitive. I think we all are, but I never in a million years thought that it would be even to the level it is now, which is just barely beginning. This is just the first stepping stone. I mean, it is so small on the scale of what it's going to be, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now. I'm just, I can't wait to see where it goes. I want to look back in 10 years and be like, wow, look at us. Look at these women, these girls. So I think it's going to go big places. I never expected to be a part of it to this level, and I'm I'm extremely grateful for that. Oh, man, that's amazing. Like I said, you know, most people that I've, most of the Hall of Famers that I've talked to thus far, you know, have said that almost verbatim what you said as far as not even dreaming of there being a Women's Hall of Fame, and now that there is, and to be the first class in it is just miles apart from anything that they could have dreamt, you know, before. So just being able to come from where you've started to now is incredible. And I, I appreciate all, everybody's hard work that has, that is now in this hall of fame. So like I said, hats off to you guys. Great job. Great work. I'm super proud. I, I think we're all proud to be honest. Uh, every single one of us, <laughs> even, you know, all of us in it, we all look back at this and go, Wow. Never expected that to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is all the questions I have for you. I've, you know, I pretty much picked your brain. I, I kind of caught the last part of um, Oscar's questions to you. To you. So I'm going to go ahead and hand, and hand it back over to Oscar. Um, have a wonderful evening if I don't get to talk to you afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. You too. It was good talking to you. Lanny, thank you for making the time today. Really appreciate it. Um, what a great event in Vegas. Um, you're deserving of that, especially with Kansas City. And I think that's what the Hall of Fame should be. It's not about players that win championships, but it's really about players that have made an impact in the sport, either on a team, a region. Um, and, and that's basically what it was in the past. I mean, if you go back to Toledo Troopers history and then you go into the 80s and 90s. Um, so there's going to be a lot of Hall of Famers in the, second, in the coming classes that there are going to be spotlighted, not based on championships and winning, but based on contribution to, you know, how they elevated their team or their region or their area. I think that's going to be uh, kind of eye-opening for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really going to, you know, bring things to light. It's not all fame and fortune. <laughs> There's a lot of hard work and little people out there that d- deserve just as much, you know, Gratitude and praise as anybody else. Lanny, thank you for making the time. I know we've been going back and forth, and I really appreciate the uh, uh, coming on. I really wanted to get you uh, your due, and uh, what a, a, great, a great honor. Too bad I wasn't there in Vegas to meet you uh, personally, but uh, uh, things happen in life, as they say. But uh, overall, congratulations on your honor and being inducted into the first uh, class. And uh, what a great moment for everybody in uh, Vegas, and hopefully we'll have another moment next year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on here. Have a great night. Uh, Thank you. And uh, we'll touch base in the future as uh, WNFT starts to make waves and the WFA as well. So it's going to be exciting for 2019. Absolutely. We'll see you around. We'll see you there. All right. 
All right. Have a great night. You too. All right, Mackenzie, there you go. Lanny Ford, uh, pioneer, Kansas City Tribe back in the day, Dallas Diamonds, historic Dallas Diamond squad, and then obviously a kind of cornerstone for the Kansas City Titans in the uh, Midwest there. And then we had Katrina Walter, uh, legendary pioneer in Southern California as well with the Scorpions and Surge, and now part of the rebellion for the WNFC. And then the legendary all-world wide receiver and uh, second um, WFA all-time receiver in Jeanette Gray. What do you say about that? Loads of pioneers. I just, I feel like this entire Hall of Fame class is full of pioneers, and I love it. I love it because it gives somebody, you know, players like myself who are still playing the game something to strive towards and something to work towards. Now that there's, you know, a very first inaugural class into the Hall of Fame that gives, like I said, it gives all of us that are still playing something to reach towards so we can hopefully eventually get to that, get to that level yeah, of yeah. recognition. And all three of all three of them have been, you know, all, all three of them have a story. Every Hall of Famer we've talked to so far has had a similar story in terms of struggles for the sport, but they all have achieved something, either a championship, a, another level of, you know, you know, greatness in terms of being on a squad or helping a region to bring the awareness. So there's a lot of pieces together that come together. It's not just one thing. And today, unfortunately, we do have that. You know, we have a lot of uh, the three three players here really represented uh, championship, uh, world scope, and obviously uh, Lanny Pioneer from, like you said, traveling from one state to another just to make an impact. So awesome job. And congratulations to all three of them for being inducted into the hall. Mackenzie, let's go into the same theme here. Let's go into finish up the women's news and notes, and then we'll finish up with the NFL mentality that's coming up in week 15 as well. We recap week 14. Um, So the Perth Blitz in Gridiron West, second year, they had never lost, and they get their first loss, 18-0, to to the Curtain Saints in Gridiron West. Very shocker. Uh, you can read it up at the at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. So congratulations to Curtin Saints for upsetting the champs. Perth Blitz, 18-0. to uh, The tournament in Mexico, pretty exciting tournament. You can go to the hub at facebook.com Gridiron Beauties. Check out the whole tournament. Uh, thank you to Guerra Alvarado Deportes for the coverage of the inaugural under-18 girls open national Gridiron tournament in Mexico. So congratulations to uh, Selección Chiapas, who beat Le Le Fay, 33-32 out there. And um, also shout-out to Experiencia Radio for all the coverage out there uh, networking with us. So really awesome. The other coverage we have on the Facebook page, if you haven't checked it out, the uh, Griffith uh, Women's Cup 2018 in in Norway. That happened at Melbo, Norway. Um, So you can get the highlights there uh, from the Jan Copen Spartans. And that happened uh, this past weekend as well. So pretty awesome tournament up there in, um, in Norway with Denmark, Germany, and a couple teams in that region, in the Scandinavian region. So that happened. We're looking forward to the CISF uh, Italian playoffs coming up this weekend. Underdogs taking on Savannah Pirates. Lazio United will take on Serene. Um, and so that's going to be pretty awesome. So check out the video and the highlights there for the preview. We got the in Costa Rica, Valkyrias versus Bulldog Plains coming up. And courtesy of Yarda 506 TV, thank you for networking with us out there. 
Yarda 506 TV in Costa Rica will have the championship final, Valkyrias versus Bulldog Flames this coming weekend. So, Mackenzie, a lot of football internationally that nobody even knows, but if you go to the hub, you're in the know. Absolutely. You know, I try to push the hub as much as I can when I'm not across all social medias and being me, the salt queen, you know. So, like I keep saying, everybody, if you're not in the know about the international women's game, the hub is the place to go. Not just my Twitter page, not just social media itself, but the hub on Facebook is where you can find all scores, all everything you need to know, all everything international women's football in the American game as well. So I just, I, there's just so much on there. I can't even, sometimes I can't even keep up to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it because I'm to win it <laughs> and it to win it. Uh, so that's the mo- the mindset. Um, so we got BAFA women in the UK, and it's going to go through February. So BAFA women Sapphire Series continues this coming weekend. So we'll get updates as we get it. And double coverage, our partner in UK, will have the coverage, double coverage feature. We'll have recaps and all that, as well as we'll get links from all the teams uh, on their finals. So week two of the Sapphire Series in the UK, seven-on-seven tournament. And that's going to be awesome there as well. So a lot of things happening internationally. Uh, what do we have here? Let me get my notes here. International friendly happened in Barcelona, uh, Barcelona ver- Buffaloes versus uh, the Lady Argonauts of France. That happened this past weekend. 26-24 was the victory by Buffaloes uh, against the Lady Argonauts. And you get the uh, feature there from the Lady Argonauts as well. Uh, let me flip my notes here as well. A lot of more international. Uh, congratulations to Leona Celtas, 20-14 a victory over Cardinales, and they win the Lexpo Bowl Division Three. Division Two Lexpo Bowl was Vaqueros Exochimilco against uh, Valkyrias, eighteen to six. Congratulations to the Division Two Lexpo uh, Lexpo champions, the Valkeros, and they're featured on our Instagram. So check out our Instagram at Gridiron Beauties on Instagram, and they have a video on there as well on our Facebook on the Hub. The Mexican Bowl featured XFL beats who won the championship there of the tournament. So check out, check it out there. Live stream, if you missed it, Liga de Football del Pacifico, the arena open, uh, arena style, which is full kit. Calcones versus Pretty Monsters, 48-4. It was a classic duel. Don't miss it. Check it out, courtesy of Liga de Football del Pacifico as well. There's a feature out there for Becca Longos by AOL. It's pretty popular, so go check it out at the hub as well. Uh, Legends Football League free agency has been extended to January 15th and LFL tryouts all December. You get all the details at LFLUS.com. Um, there's a, a cool feature by IENightLife.com by Henry G on the 10th year of the LFL that's going to be this coming 2019. And so check it out. If you missed it, anything uh, at the hub at Facebook.com for slash grid iron beauties. So uh, Mackenzie, whirlwind and we're still not done there's a bunch of championships that are going to happen this weekend so next weekend we got to talk about all those <laughs> like i said there's so much i feel like there's just so much more happening internationally currently than the american game i almost enjoy it more to be completely honest with you so i'm down with talking about that all right so tryouts wfaprofootball.com you got uh 
Also, WNFCfootball.com. So if you want to get hooked up with any team nationwide in the WNFC or the uh, WFAProFootball.com, you can also get hooked up with the USWSFL, USWSFL.net. So you check it, check them out. And once again, don't forget December 30th at Nissan Stadium. It, uh, the victory will be for women's game as well. So you had December 30th, Titans versus Colts right after that game. It's going to be Tri-City Thunder versus WFA Knoxville Lightning. So you can get the information there. Follow them on Facebook, Knoxville Lightning, or Tri-City Thunder, or you can go to the USWSFL.net page. So it's a pretty awesome game that's going to happen there on December 30th. Uh, Mackenzie, let's go into detail here. Your Cowboys just kind of continue <laughs> to ride here while the Redskins are dying. They're falling apart here. And so, uh, you know, the NFC the, – uh, NFC East here starting to look like yours. You know, I don't want to sound, I don't want to come to conclusions. I don't want to make any assumptions, but if I had to make an educated prediction right now, I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys are probably going to win out and go in 11 and five, make it to the first round of playoffs we even win that first game and then we may fall off the second round of playoffs. I fully see that happening, especially now that not only are the Dallas Cowboys defense, they've been gelling all season, but now that the offense is finally getting it together and gelling, um, even though Dak had two picks, I clearly, nobody was really happy about that, but I would take two picks and an overtime win over some of the stats that Carson Wentz had. When I last checked at halftime of that game, I think my defense had only held him to like 49 yards passing or something. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, I, I think it was played really well. Uh, offensively, I think it's, uh, your Cowboys are coming together. Cooper's getting in the mix, a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you got a two-set format now. Offensively, uh, you know, Prescott's getting some protection uh, the defense is really the key right now. They're stepping up. And to, to get a big win against the Eagles, that was huge. Yeah, and they and, – and what was funny is, although we had we beat them in Philadelphia, I'm pretty sure they were still the favorite to beat us at home. And I said, I just – and I was telling, you know, my friends and other fans of the NFL, I was just like, I don't see that happening. Like, I just don't – See, I didn't see the Eagles beating us. Like it was going to be a good game, just like it was in Philly. Absolutely. Like there's whenever you get, you know, and have any conference rival together, it's bound to be a good game. Like I don't care what you what anybody says. That's just how it is. And I mean, that's how it ended up being. I mean, it was pretty dead. It was pretty gridlock at the first quarter. I mean, at half it was nine to nine to zero, six to zero, and then Philly comes out blazing. And then Dak and the offense finally start to get together, and touchdowns were actually being scored on both sides. So it was, uh, it was definitely that game had me on my on my chair for most of the day. Hey, you get Andrew Luck next week. He's been playing really good. He's got the Colts rolling once again. They beat the Texans uh, as well. They edged the Texans, so it's gonna be a big matchup: Luck versus Prescott. And then the the, the NDD has not been that that bad either. Yeah, no, Indy's going to be an interesting game because this is our first game away for about three or four weeks, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see if we can carry that momentum over into Indianapolis. So 
I'm really I I have full full faith in in the Cowboys. It's just when the Cowboys have full faith in themselves. So I'm looking for I'm actually looking for a win out of that game as well. I'm even going to predict the score. It's going to be 28-32 Dallas. No surprise there, right, Dallas? <laughs> Let's hope you get lucky. <laughs> yeah. And you win it. At, um, the, the top four teams right now after week 14, Chiefs, Saints, Chargers, as Troy has been talking about for the last four weeks, and Rams. But uh, the sleeper has got to be Los Angeles Chargers, I think, out of those four teams. Yeah, I don't – to be honest, I'm not – too sure anybody had the Chargers on their radar for at least up to this point. I know they were, you know, they were during preseason. Um, I mean, everybody had, you know, kinks, things they need to work out during preseason, but that's what preseason is for. But I think up from probably week one or even probably week two or three up to now, I don't think anybody was quite paying too much attention over there because um, just of all the teams that are down in that area, regardless of what their record is, you know, there's, I mean, there's so many different fan bases, the Chargers, the Raiders, 49ers, you know, down there. So the Rams. So it's, it's interesting to see that they are the sleeper team and they are good. They, they are very formidable. It's kind of scary. Chiefs on uh, Thursday night, which is going to be a big test for Charger fans, a bigger test for Chiefs fans. This is going to be an AFC uh, West rivalry. And this is pretty much going to be, pretty much for playoff positioning, especially if on the Chargers side. Uh, and mm, against my better judgment, I'm actually going to go with the Chiefs in, in this game. I mean, Pat Mahomes has just been almost unstoppable. It's it's almost unreal to look at. With all this fun stuff happening in Kansas City, they still keep rolling. I think that's a really good sign for them focus-wise. Um, given all the stuff that's happened, you know, in the last 10 days. Yeah, that's why, I, that's why I, I'm thinking they're going to, you know, they're, they're just going to keep rolling. I feel like Kansas City is going to be one of those teams that it's going to take at least a couple overtimes and then some to finally beat them. So it's just, it's going to be a good game. Absolutely. I, I'll, I can honestly say that. So you have all the two out of the three, uh, two out of the three uh, top-ranked teams this weekend. Monday night, Drew Brees and the Saints take on the Carolina Panthers. This is a huge battle in the South. They always they always play really really tough, uh, both sides. And then Sunday night, my Rams get refocused, going against your Philad- uh, going against the Philadelphia Eagles that you guys just beat. So I'm hoping that we don't have a letdown like we did in Chicago at this point against Philly. Yeah, I don't know who. I see. Mm. I was trying to. Defensively, we're not. Defensively, we haven't been playing that great. And defensively, we didn't look very good. As uh, Gurley said, we stunk it up. Well, see, and that's the thing is every team, I don't like every team this year has had their downfall, you know, has had their rough one or two series. So I fully, I'm actually going to pull for your Rams. Um, 
I am. I'm going to pull for your Rams. Although I love me some Christian McCaffrey. I really do. I'm going to have yeah. to go with Todd Gurley and, and your Rams with this one. Um, and I can't, it's, I can't go against Breeze, so I will take New Orleans. I'll take New Orleans for sure. There's just no way I cannot. Yeah. I can't go against Breeze. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, too. I'm going to go with Drew Brees and the Saints and, and Alan Kamara as well and your St. Louis Rams – or Los Angeles Rams, I should say. I'm taking the Chargers. I'm going to be a homer. I'm sticking with the L.A. teams. Really? Wow. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers. Upset. I think Rivers has it. Uh, Allen's been playing good. Willings is stepping up. Um, so I, I, I'm taking the Chargers. That's bold. I like it though. Yeah, I I I, think, I believe in L.A. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only in the Rams side. All right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take the Chargers. I'll 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 be out there. Chargers, Chargers against the Chiefs. <laughs> we'll go from there. Because if I if I get fast next week, it's not a problem. Um, what did you think of the uh, Miami miracle before we get out of here? <laughs> that was a surprise. It just it it goes it just goes to show that it still rings true that that New New England can't win in Miami. It just. I know, that's like an Achilles heel. That's been happening all the time, every year. Yeah, it's just, it's it's crazy. I just, and I couldn't believe it. I was just kind of, I was flabbergasted, to be honest. It's a good, when you watch it, it's like synchronization. (laughs) It's like you're just playing pickup ball out there, and everybody's watching somebody just throw the ball. It really looked like the, the the Patriots were just kind of phased at the fact that these guys were throwing the throwing the hot potato type mentality. Yeah, and I, it was when I looked at it, it was more or less like a ultimate football. You know, take you yeah, take exactly. You have to pass the ball, and I was just like, I was like, they're really out here playing ultimate football, and it worked. And the biggest thing to me wasn't even the fact that their play worked; it was the fact that they had Gronk back on defense, which. <laughs> That was just what is what was, was that? When I saw that at the end, where he's like just trying to reach for, I was like, "Is that Gronk? What the hell is he doing?" No, and he and I have to give him credit. Like, I mean, you know, he's one of those players. Like, yeah, he's you know he's one of the best tight ends in the league. But if you put him somewhere, he doesn't know what you know what to do or hadn't gotten any reps there, by golly, he's going to stand there and try. And, and he did. I have to give him credit. Like, he tried it's to take true. the angle to, to hit him, and then it just didn't – he kind of just tripped over his own feet at that point. All right. Uh, Mackenzie, before we get out of here, the hottest team, is it Seattle? Because they're starting to gel. Ooh, hottest Late team. gelling in the West, but I think they stand out pretty much. I mean, are we talking playoffs or just in general? I'm talking they're trying to push for playoffs. I mean, they're looking really good. Okay. I mean, they get they, they beat Minnesota 21-7. They're starting, to, they're starting to get their groove defensively as well. Yeah, if we're talking playoffs, definitely Seattle is the hotter team out of the other ones. If we're talking in general – I'm actually going to go with the Cleveland Browns because of Baker Mayfield and 
Browns are hey, Browns secure Carolina. And uh, uh, Troy has said it even before this. Troy said uh, with Chubbs as a balanced attack, Mayfield, Mayfield becomes a little dangerous. And he's starting to prove it. He is, and <laughs> I've been known to be a Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma hater, but to be completely honest, I'm actually a Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma fan. I'm not going to say I'm, like, a fanatic. Like, you'll, I mean, I probably will never buy anything Sooner-related, but I am not afraid to holler Boomer Sooner, you know, when somebody, when an alum or a Heisman Trophy winner, hashtag Kyler Murray, you know, does something wonderful. I'm not afraid to holler Boomer Sooner with the rest of Sooner Nation. So, you know, I'm I'm just excited to see that the Browns are actually in talks of anything positive now. Yeah, there it's it's a it's a different culture. I think Williams has changed it. The coaching change changed it. Uh, they should be really good for next year too. They, I mean, up and up as well. Um, the Texans and Steelers slide, and then. Uh, you know, they just kind of, I don't know, they're going in a different uh, way here, but the three teams that have clinched so far, Saints, Chiefs, and Rams will be in action this weekend, Thursday night, Monday night, and Sunday night. So all, threes are gonna, all three teams are going to be featured, main features. So, um, so before, we get, before we get out of here, uh, I want to thank Lanny Ford for coming in here, Katrina Walter, and obviously the legendary Jeanette Gray for being on the show today. 252 edition, Hall of Fame edition number three. We're going to have Hall of Famers pretty much all through this month and as well as uh, January. We will not have a podcast on uh, Christmas, of course, because it falls on Christmas. We're not going to have a podcast there, but we'll be back the week after for New Year's as well. So, um, Mackenzie, that's it pretty much. Uh, no Luis Bean today, no, um, um, uh, no Troy Wilson today, uh, but we did have Holly Custis uh, earlier, Hall of Famer Holly Custis. And so, uh, before we get out of here, Mackenzie, it's, it's Thursday night, Monday night, and Sunday night. That's where we got to be, right? Absolutely. You know, don't forget to uh, check out our uh, our many Twitter conversations on those nights. Feel free if you have Twitter handles, follow us. Follow the Gridiron Beauties at Gridiron Beauty, and follow me Mackie T seventy five on the Twitter machine as well. So myself, Holly, Troy, Oscar, we are all on there. We all tweet and talk about football. Top, Don't on be top afraid of that, to join we got, uh, we got Julie Note, NFL out there, Bax, uh, Football Guru, and then we also have NFL Vibe now. You can follow it as well as our turf football. So there's a lot of people that are on Twitter during those games. So check us out, and uh, we'll see you guys next year for episode 253. Once again, thanks to Lanny Ford and uh, Katrina Walter and obviously Jeanette Gray. So for Oscar Lopez and Mackenzie Brooks, we'll catch you here next week on the Grand Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts, Block Talk Radio, Player there FM, and check, check us out on TuneIn. Have a great night, everybody. See ya.